Hallelujah. And we shall be in that number. And we shall reign with our King forever. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have done the greatest for us. You've given us Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has restored us back to yourself. We have only one thing to give back to you, our whole lives. Not part, whole. And so as we hear your word this morning to the early afternoon, our singular prayer is that these lives shall be totally and completely released to you. We ask, Lord, that all lives be focused on you. There are so many things around us that may distract, but Lord, we ask that we will see Jesus in all your splendor, in all your power. And you will do a lasting work in our lives. We thank you. We are grateful that we belong to you. For all the testimonies shared and those ones that are not shared, we thank you, Father. We appreciate your mighty works in our lives. In fact, all of us, we have testimony this day. But truly, we stand together to say thank you for all your love. I pray that the revelation of your love will be stronger in the next few minutes. And we shall key in unto that revelation of you. We worship and adore you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Okay, please let's go straight into the scripture. Um, we have quite a few things I believe the Lord will want us to share. And so if you turn to Psalm 105, and I'll read verses 7 to 19. So please listen attentively as we read. Psalm 105, and I read verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath with Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When there were few in number indeed very few and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass, the word 
of the Lord tested him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. I don't know whether you know the story very well. That was the story of Joseph, which was the concluding part of that uh, Bible passage we read. Uh, If you don't, I will just in brief just remind you or intimate you with that story. There was this 17-year-old boy uh, called Joseph. He was the 11th of 12 children, 12 sons by the father. I think the father also had one or two other daughters. And it turned out that this boy had childhood dreams. When he was very young, he had a very strange dream. And the summary of the dream, uh, which he, in his own wisdom, shared with his brother, was that he would be lifted above his brothers, and his brothers, they would bow before him. And so, not long after that, the brothers started hating him. They said, why will you say that? And so eventually, you know, he came back the second day and told the brother, and said, brothers, you need to get used to it. God has told me that's not just you will bow down to me. And he turned to mom and I said, mom, dad, he said, yes, son. He said, you too, you will bow. And everybody was shocked. They were in consternation. I said, are you serious? Apparently, the boy probably walked away. And from that moment, the brother said, we will see how your dream will come to pass. And I'm sure that many people say, we will see how your dream will come to pass. But my confidence is that it will still come to pass. Irrespective of whatever mistake you make. So they planned to kill him. But surprisingly, they just couldn't. For some reason, one of them, the ringleader, actually turned to be his friend. And said, okay, don't let's kill him, let's sell him. So they sold him to slavery. Uh, But the problem with him when they sold him to slavery was that the same dream was started, began to manifest. Because this guy was being lifted up in slavery. Unfortunately, it was in the wrong place. He was being celebrated. You know, he went to the officer's house. He was celebrated. He went to the prison. He was celebrated. And so maybe in his heart, he was saying, well, what have I got to do with this? Why am I being celebrated in the wrong place? May I also tell you, there's no wrong place to be celebrated. And many of us, there's no wrong place to shine for Jesus. You know, many of us, we are wondering, Lord, this is not the kind of favor I'm looking for. I'm not looking for this kind of favor in this place where I'm, you know, doing a mania job or power job. The Lord is saying there's no place that's wrong to shine for him. So anyway, the story of this guy continues. That's not where we're going. Eventually, you know, in the prison, he interpreted a dream for two people. Uh, one was a chief baker. The other one was a chief butler or the cup bearer. And at the end of the story, the baker died and the cup bearer did not die. So when the... It was living, it was the cup bearer was released to go back to the palace where it was having. And by the way, anyway, they were sent into executive prison. So there are prisons and there are prisons. Because the Bible says the prisons where they kept the officers, um, you know, that they kept people that serve in palaces, and that's where they kept them. I don't know whether one should say amen to that. That if you have to be in prison, be in executive prison. You know, I don't say amen to that, but I mean, if one really has to be. And I tell you why it paid off. Because this guy, because he was not just in prison with you know, people that are going nowhere. He was in prison with somebody, of a person of influence. And this person, when he was leaving the prison, you know, Joseph told him, he said, as you are going now, please remember me. Please remember me. And um, so that you can get me out of this place. I, I will point to that for you later uh, as we go on in the narration. Anyway, eventually, he, you know, uh, the butter was released and Pharaoh had a dream. When Pharaoh had a dream, 
nobody could interpret it. And somehow the butler remembered eventually and sent and told Pharaoh, and Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and that was where we stopped. Is that okay? So he said, until the time, he said, the hurt his feet, verse 18, with fetters, he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. Amen. So the question is that whose word? Eh? Why did you say that? I'll tell you, it might not, it might not be that clear because it says he was laid in irons until the time that his word came. It could have been Pharaoh's word that came. Because it was Pharaoh's word that possibly came, and then the king sent and released him. We could say that. But probably, and you are right, it could be the lost word. And, and I'll tell you where I'm going with this one. I'm making a lot out of this because it is very important to know the word that came to him. Now, if it had been Pharaoh's word, let's recreate the scenario. Because the whole scripture, they are written in such a way for us to be able to relate unto them. If you are Pharaoh, will you really, really, really listen to an ex-felon who was telling you that another felon will just release that felon and then it will solve your Remember the magicians were there? The same magicians that stood against Moses resolutely. Remember the wise men were there? And so another felon, the guy that the king was still just thinking about, well, we're not even sure whether you can go back to jail. And the guy came around and said, you know what? King, believe me, I've got a friend in prison. And that friend, friend will interpret it. And Pharaoh suddenly believed. Does it work like that? Maybe not. So maybe Pharaoh spoke, but Pharaoh did not speak his word. Because there are many times in life, people can speak, but it might not be their word. So suddenly, Pharaoh woke up from nowhere and he said, okay, go and bring the boy. Which I think, if we recreate the scenario, may not be very likely. Could it be the chief butler? After all, they said the word came. Now, if you turn with me now, this is the good point for us to look at Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. Please put it on the screen for me. Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. We're going somewhere with this one because I want to lay a solid foundation for us. If you want to title the message, you can title it, The Time His Word Came to Pass. The time is what came to pass. But remember me when it is well with you. And that was, who's speaking there? If you follow the story that I narrated. Joseph, thank you. So, but remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. And get me out of this place. It wasn't like in that place. Go to verse 23 for me quickly. Verse 23, please. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but... Now, when the Bible used two opposites like that, they're going somewhere with it. The chief butler did not remember, not the dream, he did not remember Joseph. He forgot all about Joseph. Now, you will tell me, maybe his memory was jolted by the dream of the king. I believe that from the time the chief butler was released and the time Pharaoh had his dream, there must have been many dreams that he had. There must have been people that dreamt around him. And for one moment, he never remembered Joseph. For some strange reason, he never. Because he would have been wishing and say, oh my, I wish this guy can help me to pray dreams. I wish I can, I remember what, not for one moment, he forgot. Until the time that the right person had the dream. Maybe when the chief butler spoke, he spoke, but not 
his own words. Because it's not everything that comes out of your mouth that are necessarily your word. You agree with me? You agree with me? There are many people that God sent our ways to speak on our behalf. They may be speaking, but it's not their word they are speaking. Finally, could it be Joseph? Somebody said it could be Joseph. I had someone, one of you muttering that it could be Joseph. That he said, go back to verse 19. Until the time that his word, that is Joseph's word, that he will be king, that he will rule over his brethren, came to pass. Could it be? Maybe, maybe not. But I probably think at this stage, Joseph has started forgetting all about his dreams. He was only looking to survive. And that is why, just as we all do, we do forget about our dreams. The only thing we're just looking for is to survive. You had glorious childhood dreams. You say you will be this, you will be that. By the age X, Y, Z, you will have done this, you will have done that. You know, and um, many of those dreams, thank God that God, you know, killed them. You know, some when they were growing up, maybe they grew up in polygamous settings, and they said that by the time they are 45, they will have five wives. You know, somewhere along the line, Jesus caught you. You know, and so those are dreams. Oh, don't laugh. Those are dreams of some people. People grew up in such an environment. Yeah, they grew up like that. And they, they, they've made up their mind how tall their first wife would be, how not so tall their other wives would be. <laughs> but thank God, those dreams of yours, they've not come to pass. I now go, which word? And this is the area that we will start the message, really. Turn with me back to Psalm 105. Which word? Anybody wants to guess? Which word came to pass? God's words. Which of God's words? God says many words. Which of God's words? The one he spoke concerning Joseph. Good. Any other thought? Which word? I want to get to engage here. Which word? Possibly at the beginning. Any other thoughts? Let's, let's look at it together. All right? You are all right to some degree. Let's look at verse 7. It says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are on all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. The word which He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which He made with Abraham and with Isaac. And an oath to Isaac and on and on and on. And I like to believe that Joseph was only incidental in the process. The main word that came to pass was that the children of Israel, they would be in captivity for 400 years, and at the end of 400 years, they will come out of captivity, and they will be in a land that is not their own, and from that place, God will declare himself God of the whole land. I believe that was the word that came to pass. And so, in my life and in your life, there are many places the Lord has placed you it's better you key in onto the plan of God and you can be just, how do I put it? Your case might just be incidental. I'll give you a good example. For instance, the word of the Lord came sometime before in some place that for some reason a church will come up, redeemed church, you probably know the story very well, raised an illiterate man and for some strange reason, poured his spirit upon him. The man could not write, could not read. You know, read the Bible to him. To cut the long story short, God told him, he said, the church that this illiterate man started in one very small corner of a small country comparatively will go around the world. And then many people 
incidentally, they came into that world, and through that, God is fulfilling their own purpose for their lives. In actual fact, I believe that's why I'm just, and my, the word God spoke to my life is just incidental to the original word God spoke. Are you guys seeing it now? And you can keep counting things back. God has promised that in the latter days that the knowledge of the Lord will fill the whole earth. I'm just incidental unto that. And for me to fulfill that, I need to know the original word. I need to have confidence that if that word that was originally spoken must be fulfilled, and anyway, not if, that word must be fulfilled. But I must place myself in the center of that word to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. For instance, God may have spoken. And said that he will raise the people in this city who will show forth unto the unbelievers world that God is a mighty God. Now, whoever God finds to use, he will use. And so, his word must come to pass. Just as it came to pass in the life of this man. I move on very quickly. So we said the word of the Lord came to pass. He spoke it to Abraham. He spoke it unto Isaac. He spoke it unto Jacob. Eventually, Joseph was coerced and drafted into the sin so that the original word can be fulfilled that Israel must end up in Egypt, enslaved, brought out with power. The old world we know that's a God called Jehovah, all planned by God through the ages. Now, where was the word when God spoke it up to the time that it came to pass in Joseph's life? Because Joseph was actually the final link of the final end of that world. Because the word, if Israel was not in Egypt, they would not be in captivity. If they are not in captivity, God would not bring them out. If God did not bring them out, the Amorites, the Amor, Moabites, and everyone, they would not fear that's a God. Because immediately everybody heard about it. So as soon as they heard Israel was in an environment, everybody began to fear. Because the word God spoke to Abraham, that is the only way God wants to announce himself. He's still announcing himself today. Somebody's getting the message already. And he might have brought you to this city, taking you through a prison experience, taking you through a difficult experience, and the goal is that God may announce himself. And so, there is a word. You've waited for this long. You are wondering, why so hard? Why so tight? But there was a word that God said, I will bring the people into the city. I want to announce myself. I want to revive that city again. A few years ago, a man saw one of our pastors, one of the Abadinshire uh, towns or whatever. He phrased that specifically. And the man jumped up in excitement. He said, this is what he's been waiting for. And he said, so many years ago, I can't remember, but many, many years ago, that a particular person came and gave a prophecy in that place and said, God will send people from Africa to come and help in the work of river in that city. Now, if you know Fraser Abba very well, those many years back, barely will you have seen anybody that is not purely Scottish, talkless, of an European, talkless, of an African. And yet the word came. So the man was excited. So the man that's in Fraser is hopefully, I believe, trusting God that if you said somebody will be raised to bring revival to this city, Lord, make me that person. So, there are so many words we need to find out that God has spoken. God is wanting to advertise himself. And I pray you will be the one that will be used for that advertisement. Now, the question again. Where was the word? When God spoke the word. Anytime God speaks, where is the word? Where is the word? Is the word in your life? 
or outside of your life is in our lives. What is happening to the world? Because God has prophesied. He's prophesied that you're going to do well. He's prophesied that you will know uncommon joy. And your direction that I'm looking at is not incidental. And whoever, well, that's a rather bonus for you. And as those that are rejoicing with you as well, I'm sure they're going to rejoice as well. So, the truth of the matter is that where is the word? When gospel, where is the word? The word is in your life, but I tell you, the word is dormant. And when the word is dormant, it does two things in your life. Number one, the dormant word, because it tells us in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 26, it said, the sower saw the word. That's in verse 10 or thereabouts. It said, the sower of verse 14, the sower saw the word. So, the word of God, and it said it falls on different grounds. Remember the parable of the sower? So any word that is released prophetically into your life is in your life. It does not live. The question is that what is happening to that word? And so if you know what is happening to that word, you then can then know what is your own duty towards that word. Is somebody following what I'm saying now? Because a teacher once told me, and that word remained dormant for very years. A teacher told me I was in primary six. I don't know how to share this wisely, but pray for wisdom for me. And he said something very good about me. Uh-huh, that's wisdom. He said something very, very glorious. In fact, I, if I, I didn't write in my report sheet. In those days, school was still school. I, wasn't good, I didn't go to a posh school. I went to a very rural school. Reasonably rural, but a little bit on the end. You know, there are rural and there are rural. <laughs> Not very rural. Mine is rural. Some of you went to very, very, very rural school. So in my school now, and, you know, the, the, man, the man, he said something. He didn't write it. In those who we, we used to have, you know, proper reports. They would write a report, and we get stars. If you come first, you get a red star. If you come second, you get a blue star. I think that was a third star. I can't remember. Because I didn't get a third star. I'm joking. I got it. Anyway, so the man said something very profound. You know, that word never left me. Even as a child, very young child. Primary six, I was 10 to 11 years old. I went to secondary school at 11 years of age. And the man spoke. The word remained in my life. And at every crossroad, I remember that what that man said. He was not a believer. I ran home. I told my mother. I said, this is what the man said. Thank God for my mother. She has this strange... I didn't grow up where you are. She had this very strange way of showing approval to me. My mother would shake my hand. (laughs) Very strange, I mean. If it is now, I would have gone for counseling. I'm joking, you know, okay? (laughs) Terribly abused, you know, so bad. I mean, my mother never showed me affection. She should be hugging me. Yeah? But anyway, and she shook me, but that meant a lot to me. All part of the process of what was, where was the word or is the word that has been spoken concerning you? I said this in your life. But what is happening to that word? It's dormant. I agree. But the dormancy of that word, like a seed, will do two things to a person as it will do to a farmer, whether the farmer, farmer is knowledgeable or not knowledgeable. When the seed is in the ground and it stays dormant there, yet to come up, the farmer can have the thought that I have a seed in the ground that will come up very soon and I will eat out of it. You agree with me? When a farmer thinks that way, what will that seed do? What will that thought do to the, to, to the, to the, to the farmer? It will encourage him. It will make him to tend it. It will make him to water. You agree with me? So, prophetic word that I've been spoken concerning you, you need to know it's a seed on the ground. It will sprout up very soon. It will bear fruit very soon. 
But that word is still there. It's still there. The other thought about that word is that the possibility to let that word do this to a person. What can it do? I had a seed. I put the seed in the ground. I cannot see the seed. A month has gone now. Only God knows what has happened to that seed. Maybe it is dead. Maybe the birds have eaten it or, or the, the, the insects have eaten it under the ground. Oh, that word. Well, let's start looking for another seed to plant. But for that word, we don't know what has happened to it. And that will bring discouragement onto a person. But we're going to choose the former. To believe that the word is there. The word is coming. The word will fulfill what God has said it will do. Time is not an element with God. If he makes up his mind to bless you, he will bless you. So why will I have the option of, or why will I make the choice of the first one? Which is, this word is dormant, but it's going to grow. In fact, this word is growing already. Because he has said the time, the time is what came to pass. I believe this is the time. I'm living in anticipation. By tomorrow morning, it will come out. Maybe day after tomorrow. But I'm looking out. That word is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, I'm not going to get discouraged. But why will I have such a thought? After all, we are rational human beings. Realistically, if you want to just use your senses, you can go for option B and say, well, maybe the word is dead. Maybe the word is dry. Maybe we need to look for another word. But if you want to go for option A, what is the basis for going for it? Because we are rational. Number one, God is faithful. That's the reason why you must believe that the word will come to pass. Remember, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when he got on to Joseph, the Bible tells me that God's word came to pass. At that stage, the thing has got into an extent in which it cannot be rolled back again. At that stage, immediately that Joseph left the prison, took out the prison clothes, put on a palace clothes, stepped into the presence of Pharaoh, the whole level said, it is now settled. The only thing that can stop this will be God himself. But from now onward, Israel must go to the land of captivity. And Israel must come out of the land of captivity. Nothing can stop it anymore. From that moment, it has passed the level of reversibility. And so, the whole of heaven must have been rejoiced. So, but what will make a person to think that way? Number one, God is faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be constant. Constant means, and that's why, you know, when, when God introduced himself, introduced himself as God of Abraham and I think among many reasons why I believe God introduced himself that way is simply because God is saying, Abraham is a kind of a guy, nice guy, has his own flaws. Isaac has got on his issues. Oh, Jacob, mountain of issues. But you know what? Whether in Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, I'm still God. Irrespective of their strengths, irrespective of their weaknesses. I love that. I love a God who does not change based on our own behavior. And believe me, it does not change based on our behavior. Oh, if God has you in sight, he may discipline you, but believe you me, he will perform what you have said he will perform. And that's where everybody should get to. And you should give him that permission. You say, God, if you have promised that you will use me for your glory, you know what? Whatever it takes to use me, do it. And God will, if God claps in heaven, will clap and say, uh-huh. you know how people do? I say, yes, I'm ready to go now. 
Give him that permission. So God said, I'm constant. I don't change. Through the ages, I'm the same. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. Says it very loudly. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4. He said, he is the rock. His word is, and all his ways are just. A God of truth and without, um, without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. God does not change his constant. Another definition of faithfulness for me, brothers and sisters, is dependability. A faithful person is dependable. Now, there are various levels and various degrees of dependability. And the thing that came to my heart just shortly before I came concerning being dependable is that, you know, I've been there before. I've, I've had, and I've, if you've been around me long enough, you'll have heard this, my story of my undependable car for so long. I had a car that was undependable. Every morning is five minutes of prayer before I step out to start the car. That was not a dependable car. By the grace of God, God has been merciful unto me. For a short while now, I've had a car that is dependable. I come out, I don't even think about that. Just get in, you turn the key, the thing started. And I can tell you there's a world of difference between dependable and undependable. So on a good day, God stays dependable. That means if he starts the day with you, you can bank on it, he will end the day with you. If you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes and you say, God, go with me today, on a normal day, God will go with you. I tell you another story. Dependability does not only depend or does not stop on being there to function when you need to function. Also, when it is difficult. I use example of motor vehicle again. The reason why I use a lot of example of motor vehicle, I drive a lot. I drive a lot. I go to Glasgow. I drive um, sometimes when I'm out of town. You know, the only place... I've not driven for a little while, is Lagos, for obvious reasons. But many cities of the world, I've driven there. Many cities of the world, I've, I've driven there. I just like driving. I don't like taking taxis. And most of the time, it's cheaper. So I have a lot of stories about driving. So if you don't, don't take offense about that. I'll tell you another story about driving, about dependability. By the grace of God, we are blessed to have, you know, two family cars at our disposal to use. Because we go different directions, ministry, work, and everything. Now, of the, two, of the two of them, they look similar outside, they look good outside, and I won't tell you which is which. That's the problem of preaching in your own church, because they know you. There's a hill between when you're coming out of Dundee, coming back to Aberdeen. Does anybody know that hill? When you're going down that hill into Dundee, it's a very treacherous area, so they put all these red and yellow breakers. So what does that is that it wakes you up and says, if you don't slow down back to 40, you will run into the roundabout ahead. But when you are coming back, it's good going down. All cars are super when they are going down. I remember my Polo, wonderful car. Going downhill, it can, it, sometimes, I won't tell you the speed it does. <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this, but it's nothing breaking the law too much. You know, going downhill, you know, it's super, but the test of those cars is when they are coming back here. And those two cars, they behave differently, no matter how they look outside. One, when you are coming uphill, I don't disgrace myself. I take my time, I just take the left lane. 
Fortunately, unfortunately, a few days ago, the other car, I drove out of town and I was coming back. And the car disgraced itself. <laughs> we all do such funny things sometimes. I was just coming back. And this tiny car just decided, I didn't want to race him. I just going uphill. I mean, there's no way you can do anything above 60, 70 there. And this guy just came in into the outer lane, you know, into the inner lane and was trying to struggle to overtake me. We just one gen to press. I just moved ahead. And my mind went back onto the less dependable one over a hill. Thank God for Jesus. Whether down or up, he's dependable. You know, the power is there. That's why you don't need to worry yourself. The cloud is so much, the dependability of God will make it. Do you know Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3? Let's look at that verse together. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3. Very powerful verse of the scripture. That's the reason why the word spoken over your life will come to pass. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Base it on the fact that God is faithful. It's constant, irrespective of your own response. It may discipline you, it may check you, but be sure about it, God will still do what he wants to do. It's not only constant, it's dependable, because that's another definition of being faithful. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Let's stop there. If the clouds are full of rain, they do what? They empty themselves upon the earth. How do you know the clouds are full of rain? Somebody. It will. Good. Change color to. Very good. And the darker the cloud, usually the. When the cloud is dark and very dark, do you see the sun? Has the sun gone away? The sun is only hidden. Why do we worry when the clouds are dark? Is it not because it's going to rain soon? So what's the point? Why? Why Why do you tie yourself in a knot? It's so dark, yes? Because that's what I said, that when your seed is there, you can interpret that seed each other way. Your seed is that cloud, hallelujah, my best days are ahead of me. In fact, if I, the, as it's getting darker, people that, some of you that you are posh, I don't carry it to this. Stay on one side for now. <laughs> we spread seed outside, you remember? Might be corn, might be millet. We set it aside, and the cloud is gathering. What do you do? You go and pack it. And the darker the cloud, the quicker you pack it. What I'm saying is that, what makes the farmer to go and pack it? Because he knows that it, it is nearly impossible for it not to rain. I mean, he, he, he will not doubt. Who starts saying, maybe, there's no maybe, maybe not. There's a place the cloud will, co- will collect in the sky. I hope you know where, wherever you grew up from. There's a corner of the sky where the cloud collects, it must rain. That's the name they call it in, my, in, my, in, in the local place I grew up. They said, what, he said I, from a young child, six years old, once the cloud caught, I knew it, it must rain. I hope you are discovering that the cloud that has collected is telling you that the rain is about to fall very soon. That's part of the constancy and the faithfulness of the God you serve. I remember also that the issue of this seed being hidden on the ground is that between us says the Lord, it's a very common saying, and it came to pass. There's a lot in between. But my, cons- my definite trust in the Lord is that it will come to pass. In your life in the name of Jesus. So, 
Encourage your heart and believe that the word God has spoken will come to pass. Because, number one, God is God is and because we say he's faithful because he is and he is whether downhill or he's got the resources. Oh, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling that. Let me now get a little bit sterner with us as I always do. Nobody will do it for you. That's why preaching is preached. Preaching is not prayer. Preaching is for you, and that's why we elaborate, so that you get convinced about what you are hearing and put it to action. If anyone sees that and keeps doubting, eh, my own is not like that, eh, preacher can say that, where the person will remain there. It's for the reader to say, yes, I agree in my head, my heart, believe it as well. And instruct your heart and say, no, 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 I'm not buying to doubt. It is no secret what God can do, what is done for others, He'll do for you. He does wide open, say, Come, He's calling you. It is no secret, everybody knows it. What God can do. Why will you be an exception? Copy your mind, you're not going to be an exception. You can choose to be. You can choose to say it's preacher's talk. Do you know what I preach to you? I go back and practice it. I have to. Because I have an individual life to run. I do. I must believe God for every aspect of my life, just as you do. Mugwe was talking of how she believed God on her home. Good. You seek help. Don't, don't, don't hide your head. It's good to seek help when you have to. But at the same time, you must have a personal work with God in which you're going to make up your own mind and say that I will run this race. I, the same way I pray for you to believe healed, when sickness knock on my door, I believe. I woke up this morning with a backache. I pray for many backaches here. I'm telling you secrets now. I said, Lord, heal me, or I don't want to be preaching like this. I need personal faith for that. Oh, I've been scared many times. It's obvious. Or maybe not so obvious now. But believe me, I believe God. I've been cheated many times. Life has been rough. But the thing is that, please, I'm begging of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please believe this word. I always pray one prayer. Listen carefully. Before every preaching, and you preach it before anywhere you go to listen to any sermon. Lord, as I'm entering to this church today, let me not take the word of God as the word of man. Because very, very easy. God, he said, God, why can't you speak? He said, let somebody come from the dead and go and preach unto them. He said, they have Moses with them. He said, if somebody comes from the dead, they will not believe. Do you know if there's a voice in this room now, they say, mm, oh, these pastors, they've come again. You know if there's a word in this room now, they say, I'm Jesus. You know, some of you will say, ah, it's a lie, it's not Jesus. It's a knowing. But once you make up your mind to walk in faith, whichever way, just believe God. And also prayer number two, may you not take the word of men as the word of God. And I need to warn you carefully here. There are so many, thank God, Sunday school, a conference is coming up, and I think one of the topics is a big year of false teacher. A lot of people are going around now. Keep your head. Just don't follow people you don't know. 
I've told you by the special grace, and that will not be my portion. If it gets to a point in which I cannot be trusted, I will leave this place. But be ye followers of me as I'm of Christ. I can say that. And follow people you don't know. Anybody, anybody come, don't, be careful. I'm warning you, be careful. You don't know where they were coming from. You don't know their journey. And people, some people come into the scene, they don't have any pedigree. There is absolute next to nothing about my background that you've not known. My village, the churches I grew up, I'm sure all of you, if you are clever, you should write a good book. And just ask me to autographic and say autobiography of Chris Bailey, free of charge. Because there is nothing to hide. You know where I was coming from. You knew my stages. You know my pastor in London. I, some of you in smaller group have told you even the churches I was before. Some of you know that. The smaller group, you know where I was coming from. People coming to this, you don't know where they were coming from. You don't realize they were all on that before. Where they were coming from, Abali's house, they started a ministry. You don't know. Where was I? Yes. There's a lot that goes into that. That's where we stop. And then I gave examples of situations in which it's very possible for us to miss out on what God is doing. So number one, God is faithful, amen? He's constant, he's dependable. Number two, God is fair. That is one thing human beings can't get their head around. God is fair. F-A-I-R. He's a fair God. Somebody say God is fair. Another word for fair is just. If God is not fair and just, respectfully, and I know that's not my God, that's not my daddy, that's not my father in heaven, I know that's not him, it's not worth following. An unfair, partial God is not worth following. And partiality means that you favor a person, God favors. It's such an incredible doctrine. Hopefully one of these I preach it. God favors, but God is not partial. How do you reconcile it? Because some people will tell you, because the book of James tells me, it says there's no partiality with God. Romans also tells me that God is not partial. But God can favor. And he can choose to favor. Let me give you a little bit of it so that I don't leave you hanging. This is the way God does his favor. God will do his favor by creating an enabling environment to help you. It's going to look very difficult, but when he helps you to fulfill a condition, he will jump in and bless you with it. And then everybody will be celebrating you. Of course, God is behind it all along. The woman of Zephyr is a good example. And Jesus alluded unto that. He said, you know, there are many widows there. And the reason why he used that is that if Jesus had been in his own country, those widows, they would not, if it had been Elijah rather, those widows, they would not have still given their last because they are full of doubt. But God worked in this woman. And, but that's a topic for another. Don't let me muddy the water. But number two point is that God is fair. Say it one more time. My God is fair. Let me give one example that because our time has run, because I have one more point and then we'll close. If I were to um, uh, what, what good example can I use here? Pastor Ruben come. Brother Igwe come. Okay. Hallelujah. It's going to be great today. They are both wearing light color jackets. Okay? All right. If I just... I'm very sure we are very okay under there. Take your jacket off. You need to be sure because sometimes you may be wearing braces. And uh, you're okay there. (laughs) 
All right. I hope this will help us. Go this way. No, hold on. Oh, hold the microphone. Hold the microphone. Uh, if, you, if you see the arm of this, if this is the only thing they focus on, the arm of this jacket, and you see the arm of this jacket, you are likely to think that this is not fair. Yes, I like to think this is not fair. That why will God give you such a long arm? Because that's what you are saying. You are not seeing the old jacket. But God forbid that this one will be on this one. Because it becomes a misfit. So sometimes when you think you are being shortchanged in one area, look at the whole thing. The plan of God for your life is still not made for you. Or else it will look awkward on you. The arm may be sure. God bless you, sirs. Put your hands together for them. The arm, the arm may be short, but the cloth is fitting. Or you might say, ah, Lord, it's not fair. Where is my own arm like this? Where is my own arm? Where? You don't want the one where the arm of your jacket will end here. Every plan of God for you is still on me. Take your eyes away from people. Though. You don't know what they are going through. It's such a foolish thing to judge your life by others. They that compare themselves to themselves, they are not wise. Everybody has gone ahead. And Lord, ah, what is my own? Calm down. He knows you. He knows what you can handle. Why did you heal that one and you have not healed me? Why did you deliver that one and delivered me? Calm down. Your whole package is clear before him. He's working something out. It's fair. Don't let the devil deceive you. It's fair. If it's not fair, stop following him. It's not worth following if it's not fair. It's a fair God. It's a fair God. Finally, God is for you. He's faithful. He's... Because that's the basis on which you're going to believe that your seed will come up. Amen. Because if you don't don't have those foundations, you have no business believing that your seed will come up. Number three, God is for you. Amen. You repeat that one, God is for me. How do I know? Before I go on, do you know there's a difference between (laughs) the pastor, our pastor, and my pastor? Do you know there's a difference? The pastor, our pastor, the pastor. Uh, my pastor. There's a difference between the father, our father, and uh, John 20 verse 7. It says, I go to my father and your father. He could have said, I go to our father. God is personal. That's not, that's not the right one. Just take it away. That's not the right one. I, got, I didn't get that one. Take that Bible verse away. So it's not... So it's not it's not, it's not rocket science. You must know that God has a personal touch to his relationship with you. If he does not, one is in a bit of trouble. It has to be personal. It has to be. It's for you. And so I'm not just talking about a faithful God 
just impersonal, faithful, impersonal, fair God. I'm not talking of theology. I'm talking of a personal, faithful God to me, fair God to me, and he is for me. If it does not get to the level of one-to-one with God, we have not started. And you will need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to believe all that with your heart. And that's why we can't go far without being absolutely sure of our relationship with him. We can't. John 20, 17, I was looking for, not 17. So if I take it off, John 20, 17, I was looking for. So you will need to be sure that truly your relationship with him is current. Amen? And it's a simple thing to do. And we do that this afternoon. We're not going to minister to anyone. And I'm not going to even ask you to pray. I will only ask you to stand up and I will pray for you. Because sometimes it's important that we do it as the Lord will want us to do it. You're sitting down. Is it that you want to hear more? Or, or you are tired? Which The same thing what asked me this morning. I said stand up. You didn't stand up. What's the matter? I know you love the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father Lord. Please just take a moment and say, Lord, I love you. You are my faithful Father. You are fair to me. And I know you are for me. Why don't you just speak to him, my brothers and sisters? Just, it's not a long prayer, very short, 30 seconds. Just came to my heart. It became the opportunity for us to just talk to him. a faithful God. Mm. Oh, what a faithful God. My voice is, I'm getting old. What a faithful God have I. What a faithful God. It's a personal one. What a faithful God have I. Faithful in every way. Our Lord, you are faithful. You are so kind and merciful. And we know you send this word because the time for your word to come to pass has come. That's why as many of us, Lord, including myself, as we key in in faith unto your word this afternoon, we pray that true and indeed, oh God, your word that has stayed dormant for this while will come fully alive and sprout up in the name of the Lord Jesus. No more delay in our lives. Every delay is over. Ah, can your word be delayed? Yes. 400 years you promised Israel in Egypt. But they spent 430 years. The truth of the matter is that you still performed, but there was delay. For us there shall be no delay in the name of Jesus Christ. Every area of delay, let there be acceleration right now in the name of Jesus. 
Your time of weeping is over. Your time of joy is now. Whatever has kept our head down, either to lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. Lord, come into our situation right now in the name of Jesus. Revive this land. Revive our families. Revive our souls. Revive every aspect of us in the name of Jesus. Every dormant word. Every word that has stayed for so long and it seems as if it's not going to come. I know the seed is not dead. I know it's not dead. Oh, ye seed, here right now. Oh, ye earth, here right now. Yield yourself. Supply the resources and open up so that the seed that is growing may blossom and comfort in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh Lord our God, you have promised that you never change, and we know you don't. And so where it seems, oh God, there has been losses and delays, oh Lord, let all be turned into gain and speed in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why your career that seemed dead and buried, I know is resurrected before the end of this month. I know the marital issue because your testimony will encourage somebody. That marital issue is coming back alive. That husband, that wife, those children, those harmonious families, they are coming alive because God has promised you before. Receive it, receive it, receive it in the name of Jesus. Oh, we said, and we believe with all our hearts. Now, as I cry to you, before your children came in this morning, let this ground be a Goshen. No matter what is happening outside, oh God, exclude your Goshen. And all the prayers we need to pray in righteousness, in uprightness, in holiness, in praise, in prayer, in submission and yieldedness, by your special help, release unto us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, let the house be filled with testimony. And let the world know that's the mighty God in Israel. What can we supposed to say? Thank you, Father. I know you are sorting our little children now. I know you are helping them because your word over them, all the prophetic utterances over them, they are coming to pass. They are coming to pass. They are coming to pass. They are come. The number of children the Lord has promised that exact number you still have, irrespective of where you are. I know it. I know it. That gender that you are seeing, that is still what you're going to have. And none of them shall be deficient in the name of the Lord Jesus. My Lord loves children. My master loves children. And I stand in his name and I release unto you calmness, restoration, wholeness unto all our children in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what you are doing in the church, the world will believe that truly and indeed you are faithful. You are fair and you are for your people. And so perform it, my father, and let the honor and glory be to you. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the honor and glory. Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah.